there's only one worthy thing, and that's love. Mm. Everything else is just passing show. There's nothing else you can name that's mm. particularly worthwhile. Love alone endures. And if we have the capacity to love, then we have the capacity to connect. If we have the capacity to connect, we have the capacity to understand. Mm. If I understand you, if I get a sense of your needs and, and who you are as a human being, mm -hmm. that's going to foster a whole set of inclinations and behavior that are different than if, you know, I got this separation and, you know, it's only business, man. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is that? Welcome to Redefining Reality where we live at the intersection of wellness, business, and the birth of a global tribe. So relax your body-mind, open your heart, and recognize that we are the ones we've been waiting for. What is going on, my friends? Brian Hardy here, holistic nutritionist and wellness coach, advisor of all things natural healing, guide to you and yours on your journey to wholeness, revitalization, and bulletproof digestion. Yes, that's true. I do specialize in lots of gut issues, in case you didn't know, and would love to assist you with your potential challenges with the gut if that's something you're looking for. But that is aside from the point of this show, which is really to feature some awesome guests and talk about things that can change the world for the better. And today's guest is truly, truly uh, someone I would call a soul brother, uh, someone I can look up to, someone who has been around, has traveled the globe, has paved the way and pioneered so many things in the natural health space in this movement of global visionary medicines and mystical healing. Um, and we're going to get into all that real soon. And before we do, I just want to draw your attention to a couple things. The first are the products by the guys at Neurohacker Collective. They make two products currently with three more on the way. They're called Qualia Mind and Qualia Focus, and they are fantastic nootropics, natural nootropics, ways to enhance your brain and body. And uh, I got to tell you that the Qualia Focus, which is their more affordable option of the two, it's they're, they're premium products, but the Qualia Focus is really, really a, a great bargain for what you get. And that's the one that I've been experimenting with as of late. And I'm only taking like half of a dose Right, So they say take five capsules for the full dose, which is a powerful effect. Believe me, I've taken it and had some amazing workouts and meditations and workflows because of that. And still, I find two or three capsules with my morning coffee. And today, I even had decaf coffee. I want to give myself a bit of a break. And uh, it's just been fantastic. Fantastic flow enhancer. So go over to the show notes at this podcast, brianhardy.ca forward slash medicine hunter brianhardy.ca forward slash medicine hunter and you'll find all the links that I'm talking about and enter the code of BHardy 
and get 15% off anything you order. And they've got a 100-day money-back guarantee, so there's virtually no risk whatsoever to try some of their products. Okay. Next up, as always, Vitaging. These guys are my go-to. These are my staple. I live and breathe the Vitaging herbal mushroom-infused goodness. You know, I don't know any better way to say it. Smoothies, teas, coffees, recipes, making, you know, nice cream, various different uh, home-cooked concoctions. You can add their potions. You can add their tonics. You can add their mushrooms. I'm really digging the chaga and the reishi and the astragalus as we go into the winter season, building up my immune system one day at a time. And, chaga, uh, sorry, Vitaging is helping with that process. And so you go to vitaging.ca. Use the coupon code HARDY, H-A-R-D-Y, and you'll get 10% off anything that you order, which is already some fantastic prices over there at Vitaging. So that's it for the sponsors and the products that I recommend and that I'm an affiliate with. I hope you check them out. It really helps to support the podcast, support this work, and support yourself because odds are you are not giving yourself all these amazing things on a daily and that your body and your brain and your life would benefit. So that's why I do this work, to bring the awareness to you so you can feel better, live better, do better, perform better. Okay, on to the main episode. This is a sit-down I did with Mr. Chris Killam, the medicine hunter. He was up in Toronto for the Spark Biohacking Summit, speaking more specifically on ayahuasca in a talk called Hacking the Cosmic Motherboard. Um, which I still look forward to checking out on the replays from the Spark Biohacker Summit because I was doing interviews while people were talking. So I'm going to check that one out. But just getting to sit with him and to hear his stories and to hear his journeys around the planet for decades he's been doing this. You know, for decades he's been doing daily yoga. For decades he's been visiting indigenous tribes and sourcing ingredients and sourcing medicines and setting up supply chains to help benefit those people and sustain those ingredients and get that stuff into the hands of you and I, right? The average consumer who isn't going to go trek into the jungle to find the latest superfood. So we dive into all sorts of fascinating stuff. I really appreciated his time and his perspective, and I hope you do too. And without further ado, enjoy this episode with Mr. Chris Killam, the medicine hunter. Be well, my friends, and I catch you on the other side. So what are we up to? We are here at the Toronto Biohacking Summit with Spark 2018. I'm sitting here with Chris Killam, AKA the Medicine Hunter. Someone who, from the moment I was on the Spark website, like four months ago, and looking at, okay, who's coming to this thing? And I see Medicine Hunter, I was like, okay, this guy, I gotta connect with this guy. This is awesome. Being, you know, an adventurer and medicine explorer and, you know, uh, endlessly curious human myself, I thought, okay, I gotta, you know, this guy's clearly been some places and knows a lot of, you know, experiential wisdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I was just like, okay, okay, that's it. And then we sat across at uh, dinner yesterday and- That was good. Now we're here. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yeah. I would love to know, you know, just, just short for the folks, because I'm sure you've told your story many, many a time, being on TV, internet, podcast, wherever, but what it is that uh, brought you to be doing this work and compelled you to dedicate your life to it? 
You know, I, I was a teenager in the 60s, and, as far, and there's a part of me that thinks that's a sufficient explanation. <laughs> because we were, it, it's as though something fell upon us. Um, all of a sudden there was cannabis, and there was LSD, and there were natural foods, and there were people talking about the environment in ways that they hadn't been talking about them before. And many of my friends and I so readily absorbed that. Went, oh my God, this is great. And like, okay, who knows, who knows how to cook brown rice? And I'm like, okay, I'll learn to do that. You know, I mean, it was just one of those things. And, um, you know, not everybody kind of continued along that sort of expansive holistic path, but many did. Mm -hmm. I think it informed us greatly. Um, I was aware from an early age that food, for example, made an enormous difference in health because my dad was a type 1 diabetic. Mm. So he had to have a particular diet. You know, we didn't have a lot of junk food around in the house because that was just death for him. Yeah. And, and that was very helpful. That was a good knowledge base. And I discovered early that I loved to travel. And for some reason that I can't even figure out the origin of, Brian, I became interested in medicinal plants. And I knew mm. absolutely nothing, nothing. Mm. And it's not like today that you could, you know, buy hundreds of books on the topic. I didn't know where to go. Yep. Um, but I started kind of grousing around in Boston Chinatown and going to herb shops and mm -hmm. just sort of trying to figure it out. Yeah. And that got me into the natural product scene where I worked for many years. And... Um, over time, I became knowledgeable about botanicals. And uh, I've been doing this work, traveling the world, investigating medicinal plants, spices, so-called superfoods, for uh, about, uh, well, it's about 25 years now, at, for a living, mm. and um, longer, you know, part-time. Yeah. So, and for me, the, uh, it turns out that the real treasure is not actually the plants. I like the plants, I work with them, I help to establish trade, I want to see them employed more broadly. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's the people I meet and the cultures. It's really all about bridging worlds. That's where my greatest satisfaction is. So that's kind of a, you know, it, it was not a linear path, it was not well thought out. I can't say, yeah, you know, I planned it out to do this, this, and this, because I didn't. I read yes. hundreds of books on a, about explorers and plants and, aggregated knowledge and listen to people who knew more than I did and voila, a career is born. <laughs> yeah, well and it's like, I see this pattern so often mm -hmm. in folks that have, you know, very clearly found their calling, right? Why it is you're on this planet, right? Mm -hmm. The work you're here to do. And it is that, it's the calling and it doesn't make logical sense. And I think a lot of people struggle to uh, embrace that or surrender to that hmm. because it can be very frightening I'm sure there's been and I've read a little a little bit about you and your experiences and some of the harrowing experiences that you've been through right in foreign countries with disease and you know danger and you know near death and it's not for a lot of people it's not for a lot of people but I have to confess almost none of those experiences even even some of the really hairy ones felt particularly scary at the time. Mm. I mean, I remember one instance in Vanuatu, South Pacific, long before that stupid game show Survivor ever went there. 
Uh, I was with some native guys in a tiny boat in, in incredibly awful seas, mm. and the seas just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And we didn't have safety equipment, we didn't have life vests, we didn't have seats, we had a little outboard motor, and we were pretty sure we were going to die. So what we did was we told stories. Mm. <laughs> and obviously we lived. Yeah. Um, it was it was more that there was this kind of semi-certainty that we were dead mm. at some point pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, so there didn't really seem to be any point in being too upset about it because that wasn't going to help. Yeah, you're there. Yeah. You, you have each other still. Yeah. But I, I also think, um, you know, everybody's built differently. I like being comfortable. But I wind up in a lot of circumstances in which comfort is elusive or just not happening. But the rewards of going to magnificent natural places, of meeting people of all different kinds, whether it's, you know, people in the mountains of Sichuan who are cultivating tea, or mm. people who are growing kava in the South Pacific, or, um, you know, Syrian soldiers who take me to a mountain where they harvest a plant that's good for sex and energy. I mean, it's all just kind of a grand experience for me. Mm. So I'm really focused on, you know, on the experience and also on um, bringing back the stories of the people, bringing back the photos of the people, because I think there's a tremendous amount of misunderstanding in the world. Mm. And, and a, a, a woman who was a 103-year-old shaman in Brazil, the first time I, I went to the Amazon, I lived with Indians on the river for a month, mm. and I wanted to go see shamans, and they were like, oh, why do you want to go see shamans? I was like, well, because they know a lot. And they were like, really? So, so anyway, I wound up having more interest than they did. Yeah. But we wound up in the company of this woman, Maria Sina. She'd not met me before. She was way the heck out. There was no communication of any kind. And she looked at me and she said, you bridge the worlds. And she was like this little grandmother explaining to me, you know, people don't understand each other. There's a lot of strife. You got to be a person to go, you know, make those connections and tell those stories so people will understand each other better. Mm. And I was doing some of that anyway, but I thought, wow, that's a mission I can just dive into and feel great about until I can't do it anymore. Mm. So, you know, it's funny. Sometimes you meet people and they say something. They say a thing. Mm. And it sticks in your mind. And in my case, it'll fashion the direction I go. Yeah. Like, wow, that was incredibly wise. That person has no idea how wise that was for me. But I'm going to take that. Mm. And so... It's about bridging worlds. It's about fostering understanding. Uh, in terms of the plants, it's about helping people to have something other than these toxic killer drugs. What, about 300,000 Americans die every year from the proper use of over-the-counter and prescription drugs? You know how many people die annually in North America from herbs? Less Most than, years? Less than a dozen. Though. Most years, nobody. Most years, no one. Mm. And when they do, it's often herbs that are tainted with drugs. Mm. Chinese herbal formulas that contain, you know, Viagra, that contain uh, maybe other toxic substances, toxic anti-inflammatories that are illegal. Yep. You know, so, so I'm really committed to kind of all dimensions of this 
this process, this mission. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And then your topic tomorrow, hacking the motherboard. Hacking the cosmic motherboard. Hacking the cosmic motherboard. Give us a taste, if you would, about what that really encompasses. Well, you know, we all have a sense, whether we articulate it well or it's just kind of an atmospheric around us, we all have a sense of our place in the universe. And to the greatest extent, we, we think and we experience within parenthetical boundaries. And it is possible to, as <coughs> Joseph Pil Chilton Pierce said in his book, to, to crack the cosmic egg, you know, mm. to open up those parenthetical boundaries. And what I've seen, and also what I've read in science, is that when people have mystical experiences, that seems to be one of the most powerful integrative and healing things that can happen to a human being. It typically radically changes people's lives forever. Mm -hmm. you, and, and that mystic healing can be obtained by various means. I'm focusing tomorrow on ayahuasca, something with which I have a lot of experience. I've drunk a great many times with, um, you know, with talented shamans in the Amazon. And uh, so I really want to talk about that. Um, you know, here at the conference, there's a lot that is uh, technology dependent. And I respect that. I mean, if you can take an autistic child and, and play sounds for them, you know, electronic sounds that help them to get out of that or to be much better, wow, you know, that's mm. a godsend. Full stop. Yeah. But I also think that many of the uh, more archaic methods are every bit as you know profound or more profound than a lot of the technologies mm -hmm. and so i want to offer uh the dive the deep dive into ayahuasca as one way to achieve mystic healing mm -hmm. and really hack the cosmic motherboard so your whole sense of who you are what you are in the universe is just blown wide open, much more expanded, and that gives you many more behavioral and thinking and emotional choices in life. So that's yeah. a preview. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've done work with ayahuasca and other medicinal plants, and... Yeah, you said you'd been in the Amazon for five months at one I, point. Yeah, yeah. From, from late 2012 till early 2013. Great. I was down there. Yeah. And uh, it was... It was fundamentally shifting sure. and life-changing. And even if I had never drunk a sip of ayahuasca and just lived there for yeah, five yeah. months, it would have done similar things. I right, think. right. Because it's such a, a, a juxtaposition to modern industrial life. Sure. And offers uh, a glimpse into uh, the simple yet so satisfying way of life mm -hmm. that has been, you know, uh, what's made us human in many sure. respects. Sure, sure. Um, but I love that... We're having the merging, like science can't deny these things and these effects as much as the skeptical, you know, rational materialists might right. want to think it's all just chemicals and responses right. and receptors. You just, after you've had the experience, you know otherwise. And what's cool about this time is that you can take I mean, I've been practicing yoga daily for many decades. You can take yoga, meditation, ayahuasca, other things, and you can, through modern technology, assess 
some dimensions of those experiences and those practices. You can't assess all of them, mm -hmm. but you can assess some. Yeah. And the assessments, like knowing that we have, you know, gene modulation with psychedelics, knowing that we have uh, a broader range of, of neurological behavioral choices as a result of the psychedelics. And that may mean treating addiction, that may mean overcoming fears or traumas that have held us back in our life and prevented us from being joyful. Mm -hmm. um, that scientific uh, assessment makes it much more palatable to a broader range of people at this point in time. Yeah. You know, because we're not living in the jungle where you go, hey, oh, the shaman said this is the way to figure this out, so I'm going to do that. You know, we need more than that now. So I, I like this time for that purpose, and I like the technology for that reason. Mm. The archaic practices don't change, but our sense of them is unquestionably augmented by scientific inquiry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, recontextualizing mm -hmm. the ancient yeah. to make sense in the modern day. Sure. Sure. Definitely. I love it. I love it. I could ask you questions for hours. I'm going to respect our time and your time and not go too, too long here. Um, I want to go through a few of our little rapid fire questions that I've yeah, been yeah. asking everybody. Okay. You don't have to be super quick with the answers, but uh, it's just a way to, you know, better get to know you and okay. have a little fun. So, what is your personal, you may have already answered, but uh, personal favorite self-care practice? Oh, my personal favorite self-care practice, uh, for sure, is yoga. I practice a couple hours every morning, and I've been doing that for 48 years. Okay, are we talking hatha, ashtanga, kundalini, Yoga, fusion. yoga, man. Every, all of those are yoga. Okay. I practice all of them. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. A book that's changed your life completely. Well, I think like many of my friends, I would have to say Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm. Uh, certainly one of the greatest books I've ever read. And in terms mm. of a book that can set you off in a direction, that did it. Although I have to say the, uh, the for sure fictional books of Carlos Castaneda, I mean, when those, you know, we read those when they came out. Mm. It was like, oh my God, Castaneda's got a second book. I saw it in the window of the bookstore today. Mm. That was big excitement for us. And even though they, you know, they were apocryphal, at the very same time, they interested us so much that they kind of opened the door to shamanism mm -hmm. in their own peculiar way. Mm -hmm. But I would say autobiography was the biggest one. Okay, okay. And for this question, I think I'm going to augment it for you, just given your history and yeah. your work. So. Um, the first part is what, if you could only have one supplement or superfood, so-called superfood, what would that be? And then I'd love to hear, you know, a favorite experience of you <laughs> discovering one of these things and helping bring it to market. Well, let's see, a favorite supplement or superfood, I mean, they're different. Yeah. So a favorite supplement, rhodiola rosea, mm -hmm. uh, the root from uh, Siberia and, and far western China. I've researched it in both places. Mm. Uh, gives energy, endurance, stamina, improved mental clarity, uh, greatly reduced stress, better sleep, better sex. I mean, it goes on and on and yeah. on. Yeah. In terms of a superfood, for sure, maca. I've worked with maca in the Peruvian Andes for the last 20 years. Mm. Um, it's nutritionally phenomenal. 
It also gives you a lot of energy, mm -hmm. makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a mood enhancer too. So I would say in those, those uh, rhodiola and maca. Okay. Yeah. And let me get this straight, because a lot of people are putting down tablespoons of raw maca powder. Yeah. Is that something that's wise? Oh, yeah. Or yes. should it be gelatinized and sort no, of no, cooked? No, 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 no. It, you know, they eat it every way. Okay. Every way. There's no such thing as it has to be done this way or it has to be done that way. Mm -hmm. um, you just want to make sure that it, you know, maca's never eaten fresh. It's only eaten dried mm. and powdered. Mm. Uh, fresh, it's kind of nasty. Horseradishy, but not that pleasant. Mm. And when you dry it, it loses that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But you know, no, they, they look, they make cakes, cookies, pies, syrups, sauces, drinks, blender drinks, smoothies, desserts, uh, yeah. custards. They make everything out of maca in the Andes. Yeah. They eat it by the pound every day. Okay. Every day. I love it. That was actually the first quote unquote superfood that I discovered. Yeah. Back yeah. in like 2011 or something. Uh huh. I remember going to the bulk store and getting a bag, and it was like $30. I was like, how am I supposed to afford this <laughs> on a student budget? This is crazy. Right, right. Um, but it definitely helps. It yeah. definitely helped me out. So that's very cool. And in terms of experiences, um, when I go into a culture, I have a, a bunch of ways I think. First of all, I'm not the expert. You're the expert. This is your culture. These are your plants. You're the expert. Um, I may be able to bring some of my talents and abilities to the fore to help to establish trade, to improve the economy of your village, whatever. But, but I go in with immense respect, and I get invited into all kinds of things. Mm. Uh, in Vanuatu, South Pacific, and I think the yeah. best experiences, we did these massive Pacific Island firewalks for six years. I'm talking a 35-foot-long pit, 50 or so tons of burning timber, uh, river stones on top of that so hot you could flash fry steaks. And we walked on those. And um, we had as many as 1,000 people come. Whoa. Oh, yeah, these were amazing events. And, and it was deeply tied in with the friendships that I'd made with kava growers uh, in those islands mm. where I was made a, a chief. I wound up being their, their diplomat to the United States, you know, through the State Department for three years. I mean, this whole thing opened up all around this plant, kava. Mm. But I would have to say that in terms of an experience, the fire walking. First of all, I was always terrified, mm. just to be clear. Mm. I'm not some sort of brave, yeah, man, you know, I can just, I'm cool. And it, no, I, I wanted to run away, mm. always. But I always did it. Mm. And usually several times a night, usually about four or five times in a night. And um, <laughs> it was not only a bonding experience for those of us who did. Mm -hmm. I can go back to any of those people and they're like, hey, Chris, you know. It's family. But also, um, it's one of those interruptive events. I imagine somewhat like the sun ceremony, you know, where you're hung from mm -hmm. your, your pectoral muscles. Um, it's one of those events that so interrupts everything you know, everything you think, everything that's wise. It just blows it out that not unlike ayahuasca, all other channels open up. And um, so I found that powerful and enlivening and terrifying and marvelous and really one of the greatest times in my life. Mm.
Okay. Yeah. I can't even really conceive of that, having only done maybe a 15-foot yeah. pit, yeah. which was still a lot of fun. You know, hey, fire is fire. Definitely opened me up to some things. Fire is fire, man. Right on. Yeah. Right on. When you look out and sort of zoom out at the bigger picture, what do you think is like the most pressing health issue facing humanity these days? The most pressing health issue? Deep, profound unhappiness. Mm. People are unhappy. What do you think's the root? Isolation, disconnectedness, strife between people. I mean, yes, you know, we have cancer, we have, we have a whole host of health problems that need to be dealt with. Yeah. But when you really look at, I mean, for example, people are dying because they're eating junk food, okay? The junk food is happening because we have allowed our relationships to so break down that corporations can impose this crap and we just shovel it in. Um, that's heartbreaking. But I, I would have to say it's, it's unhappiness that's, you know, really the biggest problem we face. Mm. And, um, and lack of love. You know, one thing I, I mean, I have learned in life, and, and certainly it gets reinforced in the ayahuasca ceremonial experience, there's only one worthy thing, and that's love. Mm. Everything else is just passing show. There's nothing else you can name that's mm. particularly worthwhile. Love alone endures. And if we have the capacity to love, then we have the capacity to connect. If we have the capacity to connect, we have the capacity to understand. Mm. If I understand you, if I get a sense of your needs and, and who you are as a human being, mm -hmm. that's going to foster a whole set of inclinations and behavior that are different than if, you know, I got this separation and, you know, it's only business, man. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is that? Business is a relationship between people, sharing goods and services, you know? It's not some independent thing. Yeah. So I really think it's unhappiness that's the big problem. Okay. Okay. I would tend to agree. Disconnection. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything in the next, say you look forward, you know, six months, a year, mm -hmm. coming up either in your personal life, professional life, projects you're working on that really excites you? Yes, I'm doing some, well actually I have three or four projects that are percolating right now and they're all exciting. Uh, one is the revival of an old um, cannabis brand from the 1800s that I can't really say more about because we don't have all okay. the, the stuff nailed down. Yeah. But I think that's going to be fascinating yeah. work. We're working on the funding right now. Got some more TV coming up. I always look forward to that. And, um, you know, continuing travels. I'm sure I'll be doing more work in uh, probably Thailand and India within the next six months, and I always look mm. forward to that. You know, that's a, a big leap into foreign cultures that I know and love, mm -hmm. foods that I know and love, people I appreciate. Um, so I would say those are, are things, and, and doing uh, at least a couple of those with my wife, Zoe, who's a great traveler and, and pretty cheerful considering the discomforts of, mm. <laughs> of so much of this. <laughs> okay, right on. One myth or misconception that you see perpetuated 
in quote-unquote health culture that you'd like to dispel? What might that be? There's not enough science about herbs. Mm. Go on PubMed. Go on the National Institutes of Health database and just look. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of papers and studies. And I mean, herbs are, <laughs> in aggregate, herbs are more extensively studied than drugs. Uh, and that's one that really gets me, is when people say that, that really galls me. Mm. Because it's, it's an absolute flat-out lie, or it's people being so uninformed that they're spouting what they heard 40 years ago. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um, wrapping up here, two more. So, one habit or belief. This is more of a personal question. Mm -hmm. One habit or belief that you either are currently or would like to let go of or transcend? A belief or a habit that I would like to let go or transcend. Not to assume that you have to have those, but... Well, one thing I'd like to do less of is spend time on my computer. Mm. When I'm not in the field, I'm often in my office. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's purposeful, but you know, only to a point. <laughs> I mean, I'd be better off just taking two or three walks a day instead of one big one, you know? Yeah. Cut out another couple of hours of it. That's probably one. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. It's like the necessary sacrifices that we often, you know, yeah. in order to get the message out or to do the work. Oh, if, just, uh, if sitting in my office point. is a price I have to pay to spending time in the jungle, I'll continue to do it. Yes. But I know I can do less of the former mm. and still lead a happy, productive life in the field. <laughs> yes, yes, right on, right on. Okay, our last question, given that the title of my show is Redefining Reality, when you hear that term, what does it bring up for you? Well, I mean, it brings up for me the seemingly endless conversation about what reality is and how we should deal with it. Mm. Um, you know, many people have very fixed notions. I mean, I think to an extent we, we all have some fixed notions. You know, gravity is still viable, you know. Yep. Heat warms us, cold cools us. I mean, those, those things seem to be relatively constant mm -hmm. in our reality. Mm -hmm. um, but, but certainly what it brings up is that uh, we're in a time in which not only can we appreciate, let's see, through the work of physicists, that there are more dimensions, mm -hmm. but we can also apprehend through personal experience that multidimensionality. I mean, you know, physicists are talking about like 11 dimensions. The Tibetan yogis have been talking about 49 for about 3,000 years experientially yeah so these are some of the things it brings up I, I basically I guess you could say it boils down to boy do we have a lot to learn <laughs> yeah amen to that amen to that okay Chris this has been a real pleasure thank you for it's people, a pleasure Brian yes and for people that want to tune into your work find your books find where you're going to be on TV. Oh, I, I got a great repository of propaganda on my website medicinehunter.com okay um, 
there are links to about 150 or so of my TV shows. Um, there's a huge section on medicinal plants, so you can read about you know their traditional use and their science. Mm. Uh, a lot of photography from the field. So medicinehunter.com. Uh, there's more there than I even know at this point. <laughs> okay, you heard it, folks. Chris Killam. This man is the real deal. He has been doing the work for decades and has a lot of wisdom to share. So definitely tune into his stuff and description, pass it on to someone who could benefit. And thank you for being here. Much love. Much love. And now if you made it through that episode, I want to say thank you. I hope that it served you. I hope that it offered insight or perspective or humor or some sort of golden nugget to brighten up your day and contribute to your life. If so, I would greatly appreciate a review on iTunes and or sharing on any and all social media. People need to hear these messages and you can help to spread them. Thank you so much. Be well and stay beautiful.